Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello. And welcome to the Cartoon Salooniverse, the podcast that opens the book on one of the world's greatest animation studios, Cartoon Saloon. I'm Michael Leader, and I've seen the lot of them. I'm Steph Watts. And I'm Jake Cunningham, and we're here to learn their secrets. So join us on our quest into the glorious world of Cartoon Saloon. Michael, the Ghibliotech is dead. Long live the Cartoon Salooniverse. Um, it's t- it's been a long journey, um, and of course, we're still going to be talking about Studio Ghibli films on this podcast. Um, but why are we talking about Cartoon Saloon instead? It's been one of those conversations that has gone on almost as long as the podcast itself. Who would we go to after Ghibli? Of course, we did Satoshi Kon in 2020. And for 2021, we were thinking of any other studios that have that body of work where there are all bangers, all killer, no filler, but also a story, a craft, a vision that we can dig into across a mini series. And I always had an inkling that it would be Cartoon Saloon. And then our listeners seem to agree as well. Um, Over the course of the last decade or so, over four feature films, a couple of shorts here or there, Cartoon Saloon have really defined them, you know, come out as one of the great animation studios in the world with films like Song of the Sea, The Breadwinner, Wolf Walkers, which is an Oscar conversation this year. But today we're going all the way back to the beginning for their first film, The Secrets of Kells. But first off, Jake and Steph, I want to know, what's your relationship with Cartoon Saloon? Because, of course, I, I saw all these really as they were coming out. But uh, did you see them as well? Uh, well, I'm quite ashamed to say that I've barely seen kind of any of their work. Um, they kind of just passed me by until, really until Wolfwalkers came out um, at the end of last year. So that's really the only one that I've seen. Um, so I'm really kind of interested to get into these other films and see kind of where they started, how they got to that point with Wolfwalkers um, and just like really dig into like their style and the kind of themes that they're going through in their films. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited to do this. And Jake, I hear that you saw a cartoon saloon film before you'd even seen a Ghibli film, right? Yes, indeed. Um, 
so the first Studio Ghibli film that I saw at the cinema was The Red Turtle. Um, but before seeing that, I was lucky enough to see on the big screen Song of the Sea, which I was a huge fan of and was absolutely one of my favourites of that year. And uh, I, I shed many a tear during it. And I feel very, very lucky to have seen that nice and big at the cinema. And I have seen Wallwalkers and The Breadwinner. And the only feature that I hadn't seen was the one that we're talking about today, which is The Secret of Kells. It's going to be, you know, jumping in the deep end, really. So many of their interests, their themes that they dig into across their films are going to be on full display here. Their craft it arrives almost fully formed. It may seem funny that, you know, we're called Ghibli Attack, but we're spinning out in all directions. But I really think there's some shared influence there between Ghibli's work and Cartoon Saloon's work. Of course, they're called the, you know, Tom Moore, who's one of their main filmmakers, is called the, the Irish Miyazaki, which is a bit of a superficial take, really, because he likes to make films that talk about the collision between modern society and the folklore that exists at the fringes of the town, once you get into forests, once you get to the coast. But what I find really fascinating and unique about Cartoon Saloon is that they are, they're a Western animation company that exists in what you could almost call a post-colonial space of Ireland. Everybody has a stereotype of Ireland in their head, some of which drawn from the folklore, the presumptions of what Irish character is, history is, you know, from the British side, Ireland was literally a, a country that the British Empire raised over hundreds of years and then turned Irish into the butt of jokes and gave that to the world. Meanwhile, America views Ireland as this sort of emerald paradise, which is, has its own problems. So what I love about these films is the way that they're reclaiming the, not only the Irish landscape, but Irish history and mythology for Irish voices, which is, you know, goes beyond Ghibli in a way, I think. And there's so much of that in their first feature already. Steph, tell us, what is The Secret of Kells about? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the remote Irish woods, Kellogg prepares a fortress for an impending attack by a Viking war party. Unbeknown to Kellogg, his young nephew Brendan, who has no taste for battle, works secretly as an apprentice in the scriptorium of the local monastery, learning the ancient art of calligraphy. As the Vikings approach, revered illuminator Aidan arrives at the monastery and recruits Brendan to complete a series of dangerous, magical tasks. Right, Michael, it's 2009 when this one comes out. Secret of Kells, and there's a lot of excitement around it, but that is not the start of the cartoon saloon journey. It goes back a lot further than 2009, right? Yes, this is the overnight success that took 10 years. So <laughs> let's go back to 1999, which is when Cartoon Saloon is founded in Kilkenny in Ireland. There are a few names mentioned who are part of that sort of founding team, but the three main ones now, at least, are Tom Moore, Nora Toomey, and Paul Young. Um, they are still there today as the key creative leading partners of the of the company. Uh, they all were alumni of an animation degree course at Ballyfermot College. Um, but Tom Moore grew up in Kilkenny and brought the gang over, over to Kilkenny to set up the studio. <laughs> Even by that point in 1999, um, Tom Moore had been developing Secret of Kells. I think he started it almost as a, as a college project. So they almost dive right into that immediately and they have an initial script and a trailer by 2001 but as with any brand new studio it's going to take a long time to get the word out to build up a reputation to then get people to invest in you um, to flesh out that team and to get the production off the ground so it takes four years it's not until 2005 the production gets off the ground in the meantime cartoon saloon do commercial projects, kind of branded projects. Nora Toomey directs a couple of shorts as well that go around the world, do festivals, you know, are well-received. But things kick into gear when the French producer Didier Brunner uh, gets involved. He's a name that you'd associate with filmmakers like Sylvain Chimay um, or uh, Michel Ocelot. Films like Belleville Rendezvous, which were kind of big in the 2000s, he was behind those and he met them at a festival and helped them cobble together uh, a budget to make this six million euros so production can start in october 2005 and when you look at the credits for this film you're going to see lots of names that pop up throughout this miniseries so we have tom moore as the director as well as the the kind of key conceptual force behind it Nora Toomey as co-director, Ross Stewart as art director, who was also credited with directing certain key points of the film too. I think specifically the passages where we zoom into the, the Celtic art of the book itself. You also have Bruno Coulet, the French um, composer and the Irish folk band Kila doing the music for the film. And then Paul Young, the other co-founder of the studio, even though he started out as a sort of illustrator, He's moving now into this producer role and becomes chief exec of the company uh, rather than a hands-on animator. So you almost have there with your with your trio of Cartoon Saloon, you have the two directors and then the producer 
that's uh, <laughs> bringing it all together. That's a, that, that's the dynamic that we know <laughs> pretty well by now, right? <laughs> <laughs> but what's really fascinating about Cartoon Saloon is that their films are European co-productions. So even though we talk about Kilkenny, we talk about their studio, often because of the way they cobble together their funds from various sort of European funding bodies, um, the films like Secret of Kells is actually like proportionally animated across Europe. So you have chunks done in Ireland, in France, in Belgium, and in Hungary as well. So that's what's quite radical here is the sense that we may look at the British film industry, American film industry, Japanese animation industry. But we can't really say that here because it is this sort of pan-European effort. So, yeah, I mean, the, just on Secret of Kells, the opening credits of that, seeing all the different funding <laughs> bodies of this is like a, it's like a patchwork of invoices just all coming together. <laughs> there's, a, there's an interview that um, Tom Moore gave around the time of Secrets of Kells being um, released, and he talks about the actual like per- percentage of the animation that was divided up between the studios, like 40% in France, 20% in Hungary. <laughs> so you can actually like break it up, which is really fascinating. I wonder if he can actually see the joins when you watch the film itself. Um, but the film wraps in August 2008, so... Um, you know, almost a decade after the studio was founded. Um, here's a quote from Tom Moore's directorial statement. With this film, the main ambition was to tell a story that's entertaining and captivating for a young audience while dealing with themes that will carry a resonance for all ages. In addition to telling an adventure story set in an exciting period of Ireland's history, we endeavoured to bring Irish culture and design to the screen and to deal with the importance of art and enlightenment in challenging and difficult times. So you already see that the seeds of what this grand vision for Cartoon Saloon is about bringing Irish history, mythology, folklore and craft to the forefront. In terms of its release, the film screens at the Berlin Film Festival, February 2009, and then comes out in France, Belgium and Ireland, sort of across that spring-summer period. It also screens at the Annecy Animation Festival, where it picks up the Audience Award. And then later in the year, it goes to the New York Children's Animation Festival. And here's where another piece falls into the puzzle. At that festival, it catches the eye of Eric Beckman, who, as of 2009, had just recently set up a distribution label in the States focused on feature-length animation called G-Kids, one of the secret heroes of Ghibli Attack. We've mentioned them so much. Of course, we know them as the custodians of Studio Ghibli in America, but of of course, they've released so much great feature-length animation over the years, and Cartoon Saloon is one of their studios that they work with every time. And that starts here, and Secret of Kells is, I think, the first big theatrical release that G-Kids releases in the States. Flash forward to 2010, and The Secret of Kells gets nominated for Best Animated Feature at the Oscars. So this sort of scrappy startup in Kilkenny is now up there fighting it out with The Princess and the Frog, Coraline, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and Up, which I think, we've said this before, is one of the strongest um, mm. categories mm. At, at, for best animated feature at the oscars and up wins that year but jake steph what's the film that's missing from that list so 2010 oscars so this would have been 2009 releases yes what was the ghibli in 2009 or was it the previous year's ghibli which would have been ponyo it was ponyo the one yeah that doesn't get the Oscar nomination. So imagine that for this sort of scrappy startup from 
Island. They make their first feature. They're inspired by Disney. They're they're inspired by Studio Ghibli. And then they're in the category the year that Hayao Miyazaki doesn't get nominated. That's not bad for a first feature. (laughs) Not at all. So, Jake and Steph, this is us diving headfirst into the beautiful Irish art of Cartoon Saloon with the Secrets of Kells. As always, the opening question, it seems, on every episode of this show is, what immediately hits you when this film starts? And I imagine it is the very unique and distinctive art style. Oh, for sure. I think, I mean, obviously we've been talking about a lot of 2D animation, but this is extremely 2D. It's like... It's such an interesting kind of style that they've got where it's almost just completely flat and they're not moving in kind of foregrounds and backgrounds. It's just one kind of plane of vision that the characters are then moving around. And I think that is the most striking thing to see at first, definitely. Yeah, there's a real beautiful simplicity to it. And uh, it reminds me of how we talk about some of Isao Takata's films about simplifying things to get them to their most expressive. And here we've got characters where their design is just almost stripped down to the most basic shapes that a child could imagine, like circles and rectangles and squares and imagining what those shapes might represent in a character. But also that, yeah, there's no, there's no 3D plane (laughs) a character can be in the (laughs) foreground standing up but then the background could be a field that is also standing up as well (laughs) but it it, but it's not jarring at all and it's all just in the in the aid of getting the image to what they feel is the most artistically valuable i think it works really well for that kind of medieval era as well it's like kind of in the style of art that would have been made in that time where you are just kind of all on that one plane, which um, definitely kind of really helps to set the tone and the mood and tell you kind of what kind of time you're in as well at the beginning of the film. Yeah. So I grew up in and around the area of Hastings where the Bayo tapestry is such a big thing, uh, like documenting the invasion of 1066 and that the this gave me that tapestry feel of the way that like planes of action, regardless of where they might sit against each other, are kind of always interacting. And that this has that in that it can have things operating in different, I suppose, in different spaces, but also in different shapes of the screen as well. Like it will dip into multi-panel at a time like that, just into how they want to tell this story and how it can unfold yeah and that's how clearly the 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 sort of medieval art aspect is a big influence on this but also i i I get the strong sense that tom moore is influenced by storybooks picture books and how the, the the actual frames of the film would become frames within frames like pages of a storybook. There's one in particular where it's divided into three panels side by side or panels would suddenly, the aspect ratio would suddenly like really narrow down just for someone's eyes in almost a Sergio Leone shot. It's a very sort of graphic storytelling sort of approach to this where it's not defined by 
in the way that Hayao Miyazaki would be, defined by creating this fully fleshed out landscape of a world that is um, defined by all of the sort of elements of physics and gravity <laughs> that we would expect. <laughs> it's much more loose than that. Well, and, and it absolutely ties thematically to the story that The Seeker of Kells is telling, which is one of artistic expression and personal creative style. Mm-hmm. And that this film shouldn't feel like it needs to cater universally for everyone if that is necess- if that is the story that it's telling. Mm. That's a really good point, actually, that, that, because it is also a real melting pot of influence and inspiration in terms of the characters we see, the style of animation we see. I know, Jake, you said that there are those sort of blocky type characters or the essentialized characters, but you also get caricatured characters that, that remind me very much of um, sort of 80s, 90s D- Disney Renaissance sort mm. of character design. Uh, Tom Moore, I mean, he, he we touch on this when we interviewed Tom Moore. Um, back at the end of last year, the sort of many different sorts of films he's drawing from in his style. And it is interesting to see something like a character, like the the, the short rotund brother, who's just basically circles, could be a baker in a Disney movie from the 90s. And then you have the, the, the onslaught of the Vikings, where they're literally these geometric shapes that, come across very much like a Gendy Tartakovsky character. Well, and with the Vikings as well, the inspiration there I could see was Princess Mononoke and how Princess Mononoke used its apes characters as kind of just these dark shadows with these glowing red eyes that are just instantly threatening, terrifying, but through the simplest design possible. And we know from our interview just how much there is love for Princess Mononoke at Cartoon Saloon, then going through it frame by frame. And I wouldn't be surprised if if that was lifted over to this story. Mm -hmm. But there is such a freedom in the character designs. You know, you you think about, you mentioned Takahata, Jake, and that's, I, I see that here, a film like Pompoko, where the characters can change depending on the mood of the moment and the scene. You get that here where you have almost characters drawn from different films existing side by side. And we will likely see this again, I think definitely with Wolfwalkers, where you have more solid characters and then the characters that are maybe closer to the world of the folklore, of the mythical power, the magic of the forest that are drawn in much more free flowing lines and shapes the um the brother that comes in with the book comes into town he's basically just a one big long wavy beard and then we also have ashling herself the the spirit of the forest who again is just this long flowing white hair um and she just sort of snakes through uh the landscape in this beautiful way contrasted with um Kellogg, the abbot who is just a big solid block of a man <laughs> it's it's really fascinating to see but then also i suppose we should touch on the fact that it does tend towards caricature at times in a way that maybe watching now i don't know whether it would be done in a similar way yeah i feel like some of i guess some of what they're trying to portray just through visuals hasn't really aged super well like the kind of um the african monk character um I think maybe is drawing on stereotypes that 
yeah definitely come off as a bit more insensitive um than they should and I think Tom Moore has actually like addressed this fairly recently kind of on social media just about kind of they should have maybe not leaned too much into that caricature style with some of those characters and maybe um, should have kind of asked for um, perspective from kind of POC animators and what what kind of yeah comes off as insensitive Mm. and and doesn't when you're trying to kind of portray characters from different countries purely through kind of simple visual language and that group of the brothers in Kells they are all caricatured international you know guys you have like this mm. one guy who's I think meant to be sort of like Chinese like is there also a guy from the Mediterranean is he like an Italian or a French guy Spanish guy <laughs> uh, but because those other characters maybe are a little bit more in the background or their figures are smaller you are just attracted to the to the to the to the African character and you know that's always a problem with caricatured creations and it's 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 good that Tom has addressed that more recently mm. But it does feed into the sense that um, there's an international sense here, even though it's a very Irish story. They're striving for this sense that this is everybody. This is a universal, there's something universal within it. Yeah, I think that sense of kind of um, the building of Ireland being like an international thing and kind of being influenced by a lot of different cultures and countries um, is really interesting. And it's a really kind of, I guess, a really important thing to present to the people who are watching it, which I'm guessing is kind of mostly children, maybe mm-hmm. Irish children who want to know more about kind of their heritage and history. And I mean, definitely for me, because I barely know anything about Irish history, which um, I should definitely read up on properly. Um, but that kind of being presented with that is um, a really interesting way to kind of kick off that story. Mm-hmm. Well, to, to me, like the, the monks are key to what something that I really loved about the film which is it's kind of balanced between tradition and religion and folklore and that it's not presenting something which I think often is associated with Ireland like it particularly in maybe American visions of Ireland of just this absolute domination of faith in everything and um and yeah I've got Irish family and I can absolutely tell you that there is a domination of faith in everything um but uh with these monks it's not just it's not all doctrine uh like there is an exploration of spirituality that is a bit more humanist and for me if i'm if i know that kids are seeing an exploration of ireland that is treating faith in a way that is not just fire and brimstone and is talking about how faith can be a personal thing and how kind of your creative expression can be part of that and it's not necessarily even something that's tied to a higher power in any sense this film kind of finds enlightenment within the self and within Mm. one's own pursuits and that's like quietly quite powerful Mm -hmm. it's it's really fascinating i think you could again steph i'm similar to you i'm coming from a, a relative ignorance of irish history you know the 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 biases of a british education um so you could watch this film and not realize that the book of kells is the gospel it's an illuminated text uh, you know passed from priest to priest from from you know monks to monks it is because the what it represents 
can be taken out of its religious context, as you say, Jake, and it is taking on this more humanist theme, personal theme, internal theme of how you embrace or shut out the darkness around you. And I think that is a really radical approach to these themes, really, because this could just be a yeah, this, this could just be a um, a film about faith and the history of religion in Ireland and some of the foundational folklore and myths of 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 the of the nation. But instead, it is about things that we may also see in Miyazaki movies. It's about the town in, and versus the forest. It's about um, sort of strict formality versus freedom it's about craft and finding your own personal spark of imagination um in uh, in defiance of people who would tell you otherwise so there's there's, a, there's so much in here well i'm sure any artists and writers that might be listening to this show know the absolute terror of staring at a blank page and not quite knowing what to do with it mm-hmm. and it's like it's almost like this film is uh, all about just getting past writer's block <laughs> that, that's the journey that brendan needs to go on and that the big the big bad fight at the end uh his hero moment is him literally putting pen to paper chalk to slate and getting the words down getting the art on the page and that's how you win and you 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 express yourself that's mm-hmm. beautiful and it's and it is that storybook quality where it really comes across like a story from an adult trying to ignite a passion in drawing in a child. All those scenes where they're making ink, or you mm-hmm. have um, the, the 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 brother sort of showing little Brendan that how to how to create art. You can tell it's really about inspiring the next generation, but then also the next generation discovering that inspiration and mastering it it's very whisper of the heart in that way i think oh yeah absolutely and like whisper of the heart is this great journey of faith and coming of age story wrapped into this exploration of the creative practice for sure so this is the beginning of this mini series and i know that jake and steph you've seen a couple of the other films and I do think there are recurring themes and recurring motifs that we can point out here. Any that struck you that you'd want to mention? I, I think people will really find similarities between this one and Wolfwalkers the most. Um, and in, in how the town and the forest get represented here in mm. Wolfwalkers and this one, it is almost like uh, there's almost like a, well, very prescient for at least the last four years uh, township that's very much walled itself off and doesn't want uh, anyone else coming into it and it's almost quite nationalist in that respect um, and certainly ties to the period for this film and the kind of Romans building Hadrian's Wall and the fear of the north um, but we've got the forest surrounding it is meant to be presented as this scary thing that you shouldn't go in and we find that in this and we find that in Wolfwalkers um, but something about the forest that I absolutely loved in this is that the the trees uh, are almost shaped like a cathedral, that they have mm-hmm. eaves and they kind of curve at the top and bend around each other. And so you, just in their design, you've almost got the forest presented as 
the divine as the holy space compared to just the the bricks and mortar and the solidity of the town yeah i love that kind of like natural natural patterns and natural order that nature makes in this film like you have all these kind of spirals you have like you said jake the kind of the trees making these kind of arch shapes um i think it's also kind of talking about spirituality maybe in a connection with nature and in a connection with kind of the land that you live on and the kind of history that that kind of these huge spirally trees can hold i mean it's kind of older than a lot of humans have been alive um it's a really lovely exploration of that kind of connection to nature and and kind of what makes up Ireland like even the kind of when it's snowing in a later scene the snowed flakes are like little kind of Celtic symbols it's like that is like what the the land is made up of and, yeah it, it's yeah it's in, it's in the roots it's in the bark like as yeah. she's just like the the effort from the animators here it's just like to go through the forest and you just see that the trees are just shaped like Gaelic symbols and it, it is rooted in it And it's only when the characters get above the tree line and look out across everything that you see actually the humans, the township, that kind of hub of uh, kind of autocracy. It looks more like a bruise on the landscape than part of it. Mm. Mm. I think that is the key motif for me, the sense that Ireland is a landscape where magic is in the roots, but also then represented in the art of the the culture. So we will see that again. Admittedly, yeah, admittedly, the breadwinner isn't set in Ireland, so we won't see it there. But we see it in Song of the Sea and Wolf Walkers too. Also, interesting sort of storytelling dynamics that recur. Absent mothers, um, like orphaned like characters, a parental or um, family member figure who... It disbelieves and it doesn't want to believe in the magic of the landscape. So in here we do have Kellogg, who you know believes that his way is the only way, and and, and the use of force and the use of building walls is the way to, so is the way forward rather than embracing the landscape. We see that again in both Wolf Walkers and Song of the Sea. Um, but also something that's interesting in this film that comes back again is and probably bears the influence of something like Princess Mononoke, is the inevitability of the devastation of the darkness. You can't hold back the Vikings. And that's probably something that's, that is rooted in Irish culture. You couldn't hold back the imperial devastation of the country. So instead, it's digging deep to find the things that will keep you going beyond that afterwards. Um, before we move on, are there any sort of standout moments because this is a film of lots of moments really delightful scenes anything you'd want to point to i really liked ashling's song um i mean we talked about the similarities between this and whisper of the heart in kind of finding your inspiration and um i guess there's a little bit of similarity in in the kind of singing for uh creation of kind of atmosphere like uh she's not kind of pitch perfect Disney beautiful song it's like a little bit kind of rough around the edges but I think that's like a really important feature of the song um and it really creates this amazing like slightly creepy atmosphere um 
and kind of ethereal and magical um yeah i think that was a, a lovely moment for me they get such great irish kids voices in their film <laughs> <laughs> just world-class adorable kids voices <laughs> jake well i'm a sucker for a heist and uh there there is a two minute section there um with the cat who we haven't mentioned but <laughs> carrying over from ghibli into cartoon saloon we have got another good cat here um with the spirit of the cat uh, being kind of turned almost invisible so that it can go and steal some keys from Kellogg and come back again. It's just a, a well-orchestrated heist that's tied to the spirituality of the film. Um, but it's so zen, it, like compared to like <laughs> Oceans or Eleven or a Rafifi or <clears throat> something like that. It's just the, the, the chillest heist ever. Um, but a, a beautifully animated sequence. And it's got that, what you're talking about, Michael, that, the beautiful flow and the snake-like animation that just allows characters to waft through scenes like that uh, kind of slender feel to it is on the show in that moment. Um, for me, it's just Brendan Gleeson, <laughs> one of my favorite actors. Um, and we don't often get sad, sad, wounded Brendan Gleeson. This is around the same time as something like In Bruges comes out and it, and, and Brendan Gleeson's international standing as kind of foul-mouthed, um, sort of sardonic wit kind of Irish you know, lead kind of comes through. So having him as this, yeah, this sad figure really was really touching. And he, he pops mm. up again. We'll come back to Brendan later. <laughs> but I suppose a question, it's the title of the film. And when the, when... When the film finished, I did find myself thinking back on it. What was the secret of Kells? <laughs> but that, that, I think that's like any good piece of art, Michael. That's up for you to decide. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like, we, we've certainly vocalised on this, like what we have taken out of this film. Um, and I, I have certainly viewed the secret of Kells as... Uh, finding faith in in art and kind of seeing the spirituality in one's own creations but also in the creations that you find uh that you find inspiring i think the secret of kells is the friends we made along the way <laughs> uh, <laughs> i mean we talked about kind of absent parents and absent mothers um i i think if we're going through this kind of like finding inspiration like a coming of age type tale sometimes parents can't help you with that and it has to be kind of an outside force an outside figure and you have kind of um Aiden the illuminator you have Ashling and the kind of spirit of the forest and kind of Brendan has all these outside influences that take him out of his kind of quite small bubble of perspective and um and really kind of yeah widen his horizons and maybe yeah it's that it's the people you meet and the the kind of experiences that come from other people and other places you know steph i thought you were just making a joke but actually you landed that <laughs> in a really touching way because <laughs> i because i think i was thinking about if the secret of kells is what brendan did that his uncle didn't do it is all about that 
approach to the world outside. And Kellak, the, the abbot, is building a wall and keeping the darkness away, almost like not facing up to the problems. Whereas Brendan goes on almost a traditional hero's journey, almost like Luke Skywalker in Empire Strikes Back. He has to go into the cave and has to face up to his demons. In this case, it's a massive snake. <laughs> it's not Darth Vader. But he embraces that darkness in order to stand up to it, in order to then incorporate it into the work he does connecting with others through the book, through mm. the art, through going out and spreading the word rather than keeping the world outside away from them. Would we say that we are all converted? <laughs> <laughs> I'm at least very positive. <laughs> Michael, Steph, we have not figured out a good name for the ranking of these films. We haven't. Luckily, we don't have to rank them just yet. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's something for the next episode, because currently, yeah. Uh, Out of the one film that we've watched, where would you rank Secret of Kells, both of you? It's tough. It's a tough choice. I think (laughs) bottom and top simultaneously. (laughs) But that's the secret of chaos and really kicks things off in an interesting way. They arrive almost fully formed as feature filmmakers. But as we go through, we're going to see how they develop not just their craft in terms of the art we see, but also their storytelling ambitions. Um, And I think it's going to be a really fun ride all the way to Wolfwalkers. So next week we have Song of the Sea, which is... um, how many hanky movie do you think, Jake? You gotta bring bring some tissues. It's a it's Three. a it's a tearjerker. <laughs> Maybe we need Jake if you're like you do get emotionally invested in a lot of the animated movies that we've covered. Maybe we need a ranking of oh, like most intense crying emotions. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I <laughs> when I was yeah you know, watching the Red Turtle recently, I, I cried at someone handing someone a, a shell. <laughs> <laughs> It's tough times for all of us at the moment. Yeah. It's understandable. It's just connection. That's <laughs> all I need. <laughs> Something that we used to do on Ghibliotech was um, we tee up the next episode by asking you, Jake, what you knew about that film. Mm. And sort of knowing that, um, Steph, you haven't seen Song of the Sea yet, have you? Mm, no. So, Jake, do we have a sort of potentially trite and reductive way of referring to Song of the Sea to tee up Steph, Steph's first viewing? Is this... Cartoon Saloon's Ponyo. That's exactly what I would have said as well. <laughs> well, now I'm excited. <laughs> Listeners, hope you're enjoying the Salooniverse so far. Let us know what you think of the usual channels. We have our email address at ghibli at little.studios.com. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at Ghibliotech. You can also find Jake at Jake H. Cunningham. You can find Steph at underscore Steph Watts. And you can find Michael at Michael J. Leader. Ghibliotech is a Little Dot Studios production. Our music is made by Anthony Ng, our artwork is by Sophie Moe, and the show is produced by Michael Leader, Jake Cunningham, Harold McShill, and Steph Watts. That's me. I'm the editor as well.
Hi, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through the credits. So this is one of those weird nuggets where I'm not sure whether this is really trivia or whether it's a sort of listing error on IMDb. So in the credits for The Secrets of Kells, under the credits, additional voices, it's, there is a credit for Sean Lennon. Of course, Sean and Lennon are both very popular Irish names, but IMDb links this to Sean Lennon, the son of Yoko Ono and John Lennon. And I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I'm a big Beatles fan. And I think if we ever do speak to someone at Cartoon Saloon again, I'd like to figure out if Sean Lennon actually is in The Secrets of Kells. And also, can we meet him? Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.